Welcome to the podcast for Refuge City Church. We hope that the message today blesses you and inspires you to be a refuge that embraces others. So I'd like you, if you would, to turn to Luke chapter 8. Um, we're going to be concluding a series that I started last week. It's just a two-part series entitled Times of Desperation. And in Luke chapter 8, we get um, Jesus has just come from the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He has been ministering over there, and he's actually delivered... Um, some individuals delivered a man that was uh, oppressed and possessed by demonic forces. And um, he gets in the boat and they go back towards the northern area of, of the Galilee. And when he gets off the boat um, and walks off the dock or off the bank there and starts to head back in towards Capernaum, he's greeted by a man named Jarius. And that's the start of this story that basically has a story within a story. And we're going to read that. This morning, Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. So he had been gone for quite some time. People were waiting for Jesus to come back. So when they saw his boat coming back across the the waters, they got excited. For they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was was in high regard, high standing, possibly um, part of the Levitical priesthood. Um, Anytime that a ruler is listed, he obviously has context to the church um, as spiritual leadership. And this man, he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Verse 42. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. So there was a lot of interaction, a lot of people probably asking questions. He, He may have been healing people as he went. We don't know the full context, but the thronging is a large number of people and they're all pressing in on him. Mark actually says that, that he's been, he's being pressed on every side. Now a woman, this is verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians. She'd spent every dime that she had and she could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Immediately her issue, her problem was healed. And Jesus said, he stopped with all of this thronging, all of these people touching him, possibly him ministering to people and healing as he's walking to Jairus's house. This person reaches out from behind and grabs, grabs the hem or the tassel of his garment. I went over that last week. You can watch that. And Jesus immediately stops because something in the spiritual atmosphere has shifted. Something's changed. And he he stops and he exclaims in a loud question, who just touched me? And everybody around him starts, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you, I didn't touch you. So when all denied it, Peter and those with him, finally Peter spoke up, took the bull by the horns and said, Master, the multitudes are thronging. The multitudes are everywhere. Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Why are you asking that question? You know everybody's touching you is basically what Peter's saying here. Master, the multitudes throng and press you and you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I have perceived power going out from me. This touch had something different. I want to share with you this morning, Refuge City Church. There is a context of getting a hold of Jesus that can change the atmosphere in an instant by how you go after him and how you touch him. It's not just a platonic thing. It wasn't just a friendly thing. It wasn't just a casual brush. There was something by faith that happened. And if we've ever, ever, ever needed to be going to the word and going to Jesus by faith, it is this hour and this moment. Can I hear an amen? 
Verse 47. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, basically she, Jesus was going to pin her down and, and catch her. She came trembling and she fell down before him. Second time someone falls down before Jesus in this portion of scripture. And she fell down before him and she declared to him in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him and how she had, how she was healed immediately. Verse 48. And he said to her, look, look what he said to her. Daughter, be of good cheer. Now, how many of you know that that, that whole exchange in this particular culture would have been very, very bizarre for people to be a part of? Um, acknowledging somebody, you know, now we, we, we've had the brother-sister thing in church for decades and de decades. But in this particular context, to refer to someone as family that's not family was, was not custom. This is not custom for him, for Jesus to say this. But as I spoke last week, I want to share something with you. Jesus is speaking on behalf of the channel from the Father. And when he's speaking from the Father, it gives a different directive. Mm. Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49. While he's speaking, so he stopped and he's still talking to her. We get one little snippet of, of what he said, be of good cheer. But he's still having a conversation with this lady. And he's ministering to her and talking to her. And while he was speaking, someone from the ruler of the synagogue's house, from Jairus' house, came saying to him, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher. It, it's over. It's, it's a hopeless situation. Basically, whoever this, this messenger was could have been a family member, uh, could have been one of Jairus' servants. We don't exactly get any indicator of that. But whoever it was walked right up to Jairus and said, your daughter's dead. You, you don't need to bother the teacher any longer. And Jesus heard it, verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he turned. And he, he, he answered him. He turned to answer him. Again, he's talking to this woman. So he answered him saying, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Verse 51, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. So the whole crowd goes to Jairus' house. This is what you got to understand here. So the thronging crowd, this multitude of people from Capernaum, knew Jairus, knew that he was some type of ruler of the synagogue. They all go to Jairus' house. And Jesus, when he gets to the house, turns around and says, everybody, wait out here. All of his disciples, everybody, Peter, James, and John, you can go in with me, and we're going to follow Jairus into his home. Okay? Now all, we, all wept, now all wept and mourned for her, verse 42. But he said, do not weep. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they ridiculed. Okay? Mark actually says that they scoffed and laughed out loud. If you read this account in Mark, it says they laughed out loud at Jesus. It wasn't just a casual thing. They started to mock him and laugh at him. They ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside and he took her by the hand and he called saying, little girl, arise. Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be giving something to eat. Verse 56. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell, to tell no one what had happened. Last week we covered um, a couple of a couple of things, two or three things with this, and I want to go through those real fast this morning to catch us up in the in the last content that I have for us in this part two. The first thing about desperation and times of desperation that I want to leave with you um, from last week and and now this week is desperation can happen instantly. How many of you have ever been going about your day and, and the phone rang? 
I kind of shared some times in my life. And all of a sudden the phone rang and, and what was a normal day all of a sudden shifted and you were put in the middle of an emergency situation or a crisis situation or a desperate situation in an instant. You're, everything was fine. Everything's going great. Telephone rings. Person on the phone is desperate. Instantaneously, you, you catch that desperation. Everything gets gets heightened, gets intense immediately, and you're having to make decisions. Are you flying? Are you driving? Where are we going? This is, this is severe. This is intense. And, it, and it always, anybody in here ever noticed that desperate situations come at the most inconvenient times? You know, I, was, I, I had stuff I had to do. I had things I had to go, places I had to be. How many realize we can enter into desperate situations in a matter of mere seconds? I gave you a quote last week from Henry Miller. I want to give it to you again. I think it's profound, especially with what we're going through as a society. This is what he says about um, desperation and tragedy. The tragedy of it is that nobody sees the look of desperation on my face. Thousands and thousands of us, and we're passing one another without a look of recognition. How many of you know one of the greatest things that we could do right now as the body of Christ is stop and be concerned about somebody else above ourselves? Anybody with me on that? To start loving, how many know there are two commandments? Jesus says you can hang the rest of them on these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love who? Love who? Love who? Love your neighbor as as yourself. So, um, and she may be watching. Um, I, uh, I have awesome neighbors around about me, and the one that lives... Um, just to the right, if you were facing my front door, it would be to the right. They've been my neighbors for a long time. Stacy's been my neighbor for a long, long time. And they have been watching us online for quite a while. They're probably doing that now. And I, I told them that I might do this. Um, they've been watching Wednesday nights and, and just watching, just watching. And the other day, um, many of you are aware that um, that that their little daughter is very dear to me. Her name is Kylie. Actually, if, if I pull in the driveway, it's Kylie, Kylie, Kylie. I don't know why I have to say it four times, but that's, that's her and I's thing. And she'll come running across the yard. She'll do it this afternoon, probably. I'll pull in and she'll come running across the yard, Jim, and I'll go Kylie, 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 and, and we'll hug and we'll talk for a few moments and we'll have a little interaction and, and we'll play tag all the way to my front door. It's, a, it's just a thing. And we've had it since she was able to be out of the house. The other day I was sitting, it was after Wednesday night service. If you were here Wednesday night, there was just a real powerful spirit here. And there was some direction that I felt led to give. And, and I assume that she had watched that or has been watching. And, and she told her mom, she goes, Pastor Jim seems, Jim seems really heavy. And um, I, I want to make a card for him. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want to make a card for him. So she comes to the door, and I open the door, and I say, Hi, Kylie, 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 Kylie. And she says, Hi, Jim. And she says, I, I've been watching you. And she goes, I just want you to know, I just want you to know that I, I do love you. And she goes, I made you something. Now can I have a piece of gum? <laughs> Got to tell it like it is. And I said, sure. And she had a little friend with her, and she gave me a hug. And so she ran around. She knew where my bucket of gum was, my bubble mint. And she got into it and got her and her friends some gum. But it says, keep the faith. And she made it in the form of her heart. I want to share something with you. This is the kind of neighbor stuff we need to be doing. Like we never had before. That's why I'm taking time to illustrate this. Um, she, has, she has two people 
One obviously I think is her and one I believe is me. And we have our hands raised to the sky in the front yard. And she says, you're the best neighbor. You do lots of fun things with me. You shoot bows and arrows with me. And one day, I will come to your church. You know, in the midst of desperate times, in the midst of those moments when we don't know where to go and what to turn, in the midst of everything being chaotic and we're feeling like rules are changing and things are being exacerbated with I gave her a hug. She walked out chewing her gum. And I heard her giggling and I closed the door and I went and sat in my chair. I was home by myself. And I just began to pray. I began to thank the Lord for people and for lives. I began to pray for my neighbors, Steve and Stacy and Kylie and neighbors across the street. Older gentlemen with the train down and people to the left of me. Got to thinking, we're living in a day and an age where we, as the church, are dealing with two emotions at the same time. Number one, we're dealing with the emotion of living every day in this world and understanding things are shifting. But we also are living with the emotion that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And it could come a whole lot faster than we even thought it was. And we're having to navigate that. We're having to navigate that at some point Jesus was going to come back and we've been hearing it preached for 40 years that it could be our lifetime. We just thought preachers were doing something to get a big amen. We didn't realize that it could actually possibly happen. Desperation happens in an instant and you better know in whom you have believed and in whom you serve. You better know that. Second thing that we talked about last week was desperation can humble you or harden you. How many know that? Desperation, times of desperation can humble you or harden you. The real you will come out. How many know some of you have already had the real you come out and you're trying to put it back in? I don't know where that came from, but you need to go back where you belong. Okay? Desperation can humble you or harden you. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. This, this scripture to me has always been so, especially going to Israel and knowing the culture and knowing the Orthodox Jews and Levitical priests and things of that magnitude, the distinguished honor that they hold. Even to this day, I've, I've been able to go to debates in some of the synagogues um, in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem. And when the rabbi walks in, when a priest walks in, the, the honor that is bestowed and, the, and, the, and the, the just more than just homage, the honor that's bestowed to the leader and the priest of the synagogue is amazing. And this priest humbles himself to fall at the feet of Jesus, not caring what anybody else in town sees. He's got a need, and he realizes the only person that can meet his need is Jesus. I want to share something with you in the days ahead. You can go to a lot of different sources. You can be, believe in a lot of different things. But the only person that's really going to meet our need is Jesus and him alone and in Christ alone. That's the only place that we can turn to. How many have ever noticed that desperation will simplify your life and quickly show you what matters most? It will. Number three, desperation will cause you to focus or flounder. What are you focusing on? Right now, what are you focusing on? What, 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 are, you, what are you dwelling on? I have a quote for you, and this is a Pastor Jim special. 
What you give the most attention to is what you will follow. What you give the most attention to, what you're focusing in on. If you're focusing in on, if you're focusing in on the negative, if you're focusing in on the media, if you're focusing in on the news, if you're focusing in on all of the chaos within our society, how many know what you're fo- focusing on your attention on, sooner or later you will follow? That leads to the closing part this morning. Number four, desperate times aren't isolated to just one We see in our text that the multitude was thronging and the streets are running over with lots of desperate people wanting to touch Jesus and get in contact with Jesus. I'm pretty sure this wasn't Jairus' idea or he had expected. Most of the time, and even today, I've already explained it, that, that the Levitical priests or a rabbi from a temple or a synagogue is in high regard in society. They they usually have, even if you've ever been around the streets, and many of you, you have, and I understand that, but all of us that have been able to go to Jerusalem, there's actually places that are set aside in parking for the priests. They And nobody else gets, nobody else gets a parking place reserved but the priest of the synagogue. It's, it's just the way that it is. Pastor Jim, why are you making a big deal about this particular situation? One of the things that, Jarius had become accustomed to was everything in life shutting down for just him and what he needed. And Jesus doesn't do that. I think that's kind of interesting that Jarius runs up to Jesus. He already humiliates himself. He falls down at Jesus's feet, which is acknowledging that Jesus is higher in spiritual standing than he is. Everybody has to understand the spiritual context of what just happened. This priest who is walking around as the authority for the people in connection to God, making decisions, doing the rulings, doing the divorces, doing the marriages, doing the funerals, all of that kind of stuff. He comes and when he falls down and gets on his face in the dirt and grabs a hold of Jesus's feet, he is saying to everybody watching, this man has spiritual superiority over me and my need right now. I can't go anyplace else. I want to share something with you. In times of desperation, the only place to go is at the feet of Jesus and at the cross of Jesus. That's the only place we're going to get our answer. So he's already done that. And so he stood up. Jesus has acknowledged, okay, let's go to your house. And at that point, normally, when Jairus has invited someone to his house, everything shuts down. There's no distractions. There's no interruptions. There's nothing in his mind. We're headed to the house. And all of a sudden, all this thronging multitude start interrupting Jesus. And of all things, this woman reaches out and grabs a hold of Jesus. And he has to stop and have a dialogue. And this man's situation is paramount and important. I thought it was interesting when Jesus turned to this lady and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Basically go in peace. That There's something that a lot of a lot of things here are happening at the same time, and I, I just love the succinctness of God. How old was the little girl that Jesus was going to save and minister to? She wasn't dead yet, so how old was she? How old was she? How long had the woman had the issue of blood? There's, there's things in Scripture that are extremely important that a lot of times we just we can glaze over, but they have significance. This woman's been suffering for the same amount of time that this daughter has been alive on the earth. Twelve years she's been suffering with this ailment, with this issue, with this sickness, with this embarrassment. I don't want to be lewd or I don't want to be crude here, but 
anybody that's done any studies with society and the Levitical law especially, a woman with an issue of blood would have been outcast from public context. Her even being in the crowd as an unclean person and then reaching out and touching Jesus, everything about this was socially unacceptable. At this point, Jairus would have known. See, this is the problem that we have. A lot of times we think that we're the only one. Jairus is the only one. This is the need. Jairus knew all the Levitical rules. This woman reaches out and touches Jesus, and she's got a problem with what? An issue of blood, which automatically makes her unclean. So guess what immediately in Jairus' mind happens when this happens and he turns? He automatically realizes Jesus is no good for seven days. Jesus can't touch my situation. The protocol of society, follow me, the protocol of the law, if a pastor, a rabbi, a priest comes into contact with something unclean, they have to remove themselves for seven days. I'm thankful Jesus doesn't follow protocol. I need a bigger amen on that. I am thankful Jesus doesn't follow protocol. Jesus is concerned about people, not the process. Hmm. I find this to be very striking that Jairus' daughter was about 12 years old and now this woman was in need of healing. Had an issue of blood for 12 years as well. This woman had been sick as long as Jairus' daughter had been alive. This is extremely insightful for a couple of different circumstances. Jesus addresses this this woman who has been in despair. Anybody ever dealt with a sickness or a situation in times of desperation and and it's it's just worn on you? It's been ongoing and ongoing and ongoing doctor's appointments. And I want you to think of this woman's mindset. She's, the word said, and I'm not adding to it, the word said that she'd gone to every physician in the land and had spent all she had, and nobody had helped her. You talk about doctor's appointments. You talk about not having any insurance. She's gone to every other resource she can. I want to share something with you. Be real cautious to go to other resources other than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hmm. Here's the thing. This lady had an issue for 12 years, and this little girl was 12 years old. My, my point in the, my main point with this is times of desperation don't happen to just one person. They happen to people. They happen to societies. They happen to countries. They happen to nations. Right now they're happening to the world. I'm thankful there's enough of Jesus to go around. How many of you are thankful that Jesus can touch my need and touch your need at the exact same time? Whew, that ought to rise some faith. Look at this. Things that are delayed do not mean they will be denied. Some of you, I'm giving you some word today. Some of you have been waiting for an answer on a specific situation for a long time. Just because Jesus seems to be delayed in what's going on doesn't mean that he hasn't heard you and that it's denied. As Jairus had to stand back and watch Jesus deal with this woman, he was thinking to himself, man, if Jesus doesn't hurry, this whole thing's going to blow up and it's going to be over. 
I, I just got this. The entire time Jesus is ministering to this lady, the very life of Jairus' daughter is slowly slipping away and she's taking her last breath. She's getting that belabored breathing. Everybody in the house, all the mourners are around the bed. They all knew it. You ever? Hopefully you've never had to be a part of it, but if you've ever been a part of sitting at the bed with someone who slips into eternity, it's a very definitive, defined moment Everything in the atmosphere shifts. Jarius may have been allowing his mind to consider the inevitable. His daughter would die if Jesus delayed much longer. His mindset was this. If I can get Jesus there before she dies, she can be healed. But if, if she dies, it'll be too late. I want to share something with you. Nothing in your life, even though it may look dead to you, is too late for Jesus. Number five, desperation can produce great faith. I believe we're living, as I've stated this, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to conjure emotion or just get an, get an amen or being very strategic in my presentation this morning for a purpose because I want you to hear the word of God. Desperation can produce great faith. Right now, this nation forever has stood on two truths. Number one, we have stood on a nation that is free. And those freedoms are being compromised. The other thing that we've stood on and the paramount thing we stood on is in God we trust and that God is the one that birthed this great nation. And it's our forefathers and their decision to follow God that gave us all of our rights and gave us all of our plenty and all of our abundance. How many know those are the things that, that's in contention? But I, I want to share this with you this morning. Desperation can produce great faith. What, what we need to be doing, and I, I want everybody that's watching me this morning, I want everybody that's listening, what we need to be doing like we've never done before is not buy into the masses of fatalism and all of the conflict and all of the, the controversies and all of those kind of things. Today is the day that we need to arise with faith like we've never arisen before. That we need to have great faith. This is when all of, our, all of us as Christians are being tested. Do we really walk by faith and not by, by sight? The scene's going from bad to worse in this situation. The local religious ruler abandoned all dignity and prestige. We know he fell down in front of Jesus. And then without a word, Jesus is interrupted and he stopped. This woman with the issue of blood mysteriously reaches out and touches him. The road's filled with people listening to this dialogue. And, and, and there's somewhat of a probably an annoyance and a, and a faith issue that's happening within Jairus because this lady stopped the entire process and he stopped, she stopped Jesus' focus. But there's some things I want you to get this morning. Jesus recognized her faith and told her that her faith was enough to make her whole. I want to share with you, I believe, and we've been hearing it a lot, I believe that there's a remnant of God's people that have been walking by faith and will walk by faith. And I believe that faith is enough to stop the bleeding of our nation and stop the compromise and conflict of our nation. I dare to say that the faith of Jairus began to explode within his soul. If Jesus could, could hear, uh, how many of you know this lady, probably everybody knew this lady. You know why they would know this lady? Because guess where she would have had to have been? She would have been put out on the side of the street 
For 12 years, she's unclean on the side of the street. Every time Jesus entered Capernaum, every time Jesus left Capernaum, this woman's out there because she's unclean. She can't touch anybody. She can't speak to anybody. Matter of fact, when someone walks up to her from about this distance, it's actually eight feet. When someone started to walk up to this woman, guess what she had to scream out? What'd she have to scream out? Unclean, 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 unclean. People were backing up, not knowing, and she's supposed to be yelling unclean, and all she does is duck and grab. I want to share something with you. When you're in the midst of desperate situations, sometimes by faith, all you need to do is duck and grab. That was powerful. I want to give you this first thing. Faith stays calm even when things get worse. People of faith stay calm even when things get worse. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Have you ever been in a situation where things grew worse by the minute? Four of you. That's good. Anybody else out there? You ever been in a situation and you're like, I wish this roller coaster would stop, please. I can almost feel every ounce of faith vaporizing from the soul of Jairus. This would have been such an extreme situation. He had just seen... This woman healed and his faith had begun to flourish. But within seconds, it goes from bad to worse. It goes from bad to worse. The messenger comes forward and says, it's too late. You don't need to bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. Which leads me to this second part about faith. I'm having to go quickly. A lot of material in here I wanted, but listen to this. Faith doesn't listen to other sources. It only listens to. It only listens to. Faith doesn't listen to other sources. It only listens to the Word. I like this. Verse 15. But when Jesus. I want to share something with you. I want to share this as a people and I want to share this as a nation. We've been in some tumultuous times. But when Jesus will hear it. I believe that Jesus is, is waiting and he's listening for us. He's listening for the cry of his people. But when Jesus heard it, he answered. He turned to him. He was talking to the lady. I talked about that last week. He turned Jairus, and he says, do not be afraid. Don't let fear grip, grip you. Do you know what? L- let, me, let me share. Do you know why he said don't be afraid? Because fear counters faith. That's what's happening with the church in the United States of America. We're listening to so many things that faith, our faith is being trumped by our fear, and our fear needs to be trumped by our faith. That's where we need to be right now. I will not allow what's being done and what's happening to trump my faith. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. He didn't say, don't worry about it. I'm, I, I got this. He just said, don't be afraid. And then, then, then he puts it back. This is what Jesus always does. So there's a couple of ingredients. First of all, don't be afraid. And second of all, you better, you better what? This is a whole formula. I believe this is a formula for where we're at right now in desperate times. Do not be afraid. 
Do not allow fear to resonate in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit, in your mouth, on your Facebook, in your family, at your table, anywhere. Do not be afraid. Only, and she'll be, she'll be made well. Upon hearing the news about Jairus' daughter's death, Jesus is about to challenge every ounce of faith that this amazing man had. He tells him, fear not, only believe. I want to give you this this morning. If you get anything out of this message, this next few minutes is what I want, what I want to deposit into you as a church. And those of you online that are watching now like I never have before. Please hear, hear this simple pastor and shepherd. In this season that we are in right now, we need to be more cautious than ever what feeds our soul and where we're looking to answers for. I want to say that again. In this season that we are in as a nation and as a people and as a world, we need to be more cautious than we ever have before what feeds our soul and where we're getting our answers from. What you put into your spirit will be a reflection of what comes out of your person. Everybody hear that? What you put into your spirit will be a reflection of what comes out of your person. If you are putting in the negative of this world, if you are putting in the negative of this world, the negative will come out. Now I want to say this in two words. Pastor Jim, I just wanted to tell you, I turned Fox off two months ago and I haven't been watching it. One, I haven't been watching it at all. But you've replaced it and you've been on YouTube looking at every fatalistic prophet you can find to tell you what's happening in the future. Dun, 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 dun. Pastor's going to get it now. You can't turn off Fox and replace it. And I want to share something with you. Every single time, listen to your pastor, every single time, if Jesus gave a prophetic warning to a group of people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he always gave a way out with grace and mercy. Don't believe one side. If you're watching stuff, I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you respect them. I don't care how much you revere them. I want to give you caution about listening to prophecy. If they give a doom and gloom prophecy without giving the antidote and the remedy to the word of God and his blessing and mercy and grace, you need to turn it off. And your truth... Some, uh, right now, something just shifted. Because what ends up happening is we have to defend what we believe in instead of who we believe in. I want to share something with you. There is only one Savior, only one King, and only one Jesus. I have no problem, and I want, to, I want you to hear me. I have no problem with you getting sources, and you paying attention to things, and you staying on top of things, and you listening to prophetic word. But, but listen to this. If you watch prophecies on YouTube for 10 hours a day and pray for 10 minutes, you're out of balance. Why don't you pray for 10 hours and watch prophecy for 10 minutes, and then we may be okay. Oh, that was good, Pastor Jim. That was really good, Pastor Jim. That was awesome. I received that word, Pastor Jim. If you stand on the hope and the belief that Jesus will do what he said and fulfill his perfect plan, then that is what you will exemplify, and that's what will come out of you. We don't need Christians walking around with the same gloom and despair and fatalism as the world. We need Christians that are the shining light of God's presence. 
Number six, and I close with this. Out of deep desperation comes miraculous victory. Have you ever noticed that out of deep desperation comes miraculous victories? Jarius is about to move from desperation into great victory. Hardship of this situation is quickly coming to a joyful resolution. But he hasn't got that resolution yet. In this story, we find out that there's an advocate. Jesus is going to march in to the face of death and display his lordship as the very giver of life. How many of you know today, Jesus gives life and he gives it more abundantly? It has some prerequisites. Here's the first one. It requires a steadfast, unwavering resolve. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but... And they ridiculed him. Knowing that she was dead. I... The reason I'm firm about the prophetic is... As I've been getting inundated with videos. <clears throat> people from Kentucky, people from Louisiana, people from Arkansas. People from around the world. That's fine. You may say, well, Pastor Jim, you don't want me to send you that stuff? If you want to, that's fine, but I'm going to pray about what I'm going to watch, and if I don't watch yours and I don't get back to you, don't get offended. Three pastors said, that's right, and everybody else was like, well, I'm already mad. <laughs> Pastor Jim, you're really hammering prophecy, and I think we need prophecy right now more than we ever do because it's in the prophets that we're going to get the insight and the warning, and it's in the prophets that are going to turn the people. I, I beg to differ with you. We do need prophecy, but how many of you know we've already had all this prophecy? We, we've already had all this. We, people have told us, we've talked about it, we've prayed about it, we've felt it ourselves. God's given us dreams, He's given us insight. Uh, how many of you know we can read Revelations and we've got all the prophecy we would ever really need? What's going to happen in October? What's going to shift during the elections of November? It's going to get way worse than it ever has. Oh, pastor, you need to warn the church is going to get way worse than it ever has. Well, okay. What, what good does that do? It's going to get way worse than it ever has. We're going to be destitute and poor, living on the street, living in rags. They're going to come in and take our houses. They're going to take all of our children. They're going to run rampant. We're going to be in communes. What? What? Come on. I'm not mocking. Listen to me. Don't text me. I'm going to get a lot of emails after this service. I'm already prepared for it. I'm fine with it. Because somebody's got to stand in the pulpit and we've got to have the right mind and we've got to have the right motive. We have been warned and warned and warned by Jesus himself over and over again. He's coming back. How many, did you, how many of us thought that in his coming back, there wasn't going to be a spirit of apostasy and the Antichrist wasn't going to come? Pastor Jim, that's all fine. but I, and, and this is what's funny. I heard someone, I just didn't want it in my lifetime. Well, I just want to tell you, I got two little grandbabies sitting in the nursery. I don't want it in their lifetime either. So if God's going to put it on somebody, he can put it on me so that I can be their strength. We'll work it out. Having done all the stand, I'm going to stand because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Ooh. 
There's great victory. There's great victory. You know where there's great victory? It's happening at the cross up on top of the mountain when someone who's been oppressed by the enemy gets gloriously saved and asks Jesus into their heart. Pastor Jim, that's only one. It only takes one at a time. Woo! Here's the last one. And I love this one. God never abandons abandons us when desperate times happen. Pastor Jim, it feels like the Holy Spirit's being lifted. The Holy Spirit can't be lifted because he dwells in you. He doesn't dwell in the earth. The enemy dwells in the earth, but the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He will quicken your mortal body. It is time to get our mortal body quickened again. Can I hear an amen? It's time to turn off a prophecy and turn on some worship music like Sis was singing today and say blessing and honor, glory and power be your presence. But he put them all outside. He took her by the hand. I think that's powerful. I don't know about you, but this picture, this picture, I've been going up on the mountain, many of you, this little picture, my neighbor. I don't know why she drew it with with our arms and our hands in the air until I read this. But he put them all aside and he reached down. I don't know about you. I don't have any place to turn. I don't have any answers. I don't know if Trump's going to be the president or somebody else is. I don't know what's going to happen to the world. I don't know if they're going to make more, more chaos. I don't know if they're bringing in the militia to shut things down. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this. If I raise up, if I raise up my posture, if I raise up my hand, my father in heaven and his son will reach down and grab a hold of me and he will never let me go. He promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It wasn't for just then, it's for today too. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Upon clearing the room of doubters and disbelief, Jesus took the little girl by the hand and raises her up. With one stroke of his miraculous power, Jairus is dancing in delight and moving from desperation to the moment of victory. I want to give you this last thing, then we're going to pray. In this hour, in this moment of times of desperation, don't ever forget, God will never abandon you and he will never leave you. Or for sin. Stand with me this morning. Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, I, I again, I just want to come against a spirit of fear. Father, we need to be aware. We need to be people that are aware. Father, our battle is not with wearing masks or not wearing masks. Our battle's never been about the tangible. Our battle's with principalities and powers of the air. We do not fight flesh and blood. We cannot fight one another and get into arguments with one another. Father, it is time for us. It is time for us to be the light to a lost world, not just a nation, not just a city. And Father, I thank you. I thank you that people are moving. People are moving to Klamath Falls to be a part of Refuge City Church. People are coming. People are coming and they're going to come more. And Father, I, I, I ask, I ask that you will make us a shining light. People, people, somebody questioned me from the city, Pastor Jim, with all the chaos that's going on right now, do you think that it's effective to paint the school when it may not be open? That's exactly what we need to be doing in our neighborhoods. And Father, I pray today that you will use us. That you will use us like you've never used us before. 
Father, I just dispel anger and resentment and fear and anxiety. I just breathe. I breathe life over your people today. I breathe hope over your people today. I breathe righteousness over your people today. I breathe joy. May the joy of the Lord, not the joy of the world, not the joy of our stuff, but may the joy of the Lord and his salvation be our strength, Father. Lord, I just breathe your spirit. I ask for your spirit to breathe upon us and breathe in us and through us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will rest. You will rest us. Rest us in you. Father, it's in this hour and in this time that you could come back. Lord, if we've ever been in a season where the twinkling of an eye and the dead in Christ shall rise, as 1 Thessalonians 4 says, it's now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I just want to ask if there's anybody here today, two things the Lord impressed upon me. Two things, and I want you to be honest with yourself. This is between you and the Lord. But I, I'm going to pray over you. If you're here today and you've been struggling just with your faith and struggling with some things with you and, and Jesus and staying solid and staying where you need to be, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Right where you're at. Thank you for your honesty. Wow, thank you. Wow, thank you very much. We're going to pray with you in just a few seconds. Here's the second thing. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Jim, I need to be more conscientious about what comes into my vessel and what comes into my temple. I need to be more conscientious about the news I'm letting in, about the prophetic words I'm letting in, about all of those kind of things. Not that I, not that I need to do away with them. I'm not asking you to do away with them because we need prophets like we never had before. I'm not coming against prophecy. But I am saying this. Sometimes it's better for you to get on your face before God and just speak in your heavenly prayer language and find him. If you, if you seek him, you will, you will what? You will find him. God is not lost. He's just buried through all the emotion and fear. Hear, hear what I'm trying to say. So if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Jim, I need to get a hold of my emotions. I need to get a hold of my thoughts. I need to get a hold of my, of my anxiety Today is the day that I want to focus fully and wholly upon the things of God. And I want him to be centerpiece in my spirit and in my life. I want you to raise your hand all across this room. My goodness. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Wow. Thank you very much. I want to pray over you today. I want you to just stretch your hands out. Not that there's anything special with me, but you're doing this as an act. So just stretch your hands out towards this. I just want to bless you. I want to bless you this morning. Father, I just ask that you will bless your people and that you will keep them. Father, may your face shine upon them. Lord, I pray right now and I stand in the gap and I ask right now and I dispel a spirit of fear. God hath not given us fear, but sound mind, power. Lord, give us that power and give us that love. Lord, I ask right now that if there's distractions or if there's distractors in people's lives, Father, if there is anxieties and anxiousness, I take authority over that right now. Father, I pray that you will breathe life and you will breathe this on us more abundantly. Father, we pray for our sons and daughters. Lord, we pray for our mothers and fathers. We pray for our grandfathers and grandmothers. We pray for our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles, our cousins. Father, we pray for our grandchildren and all of our children to this generation and the next generation. Father, we know that things are on a cataclysmic escalated rate like never before. We can all see it. 
Lord, this isn't time to be in debate. This isn't time to be in division. Father, I bind a spirit of division upon God's people. I, I bind right now where people are drawing a line in the sand. Father, it's no, it's no better than what happened with denominationalism. Father, it is not time to be denominational, and it is not time to draw a line. It is time to be one voice, one body. In Christ we stand. In Christ the solid rock, we are his people. We are his people first. Father, I pray that you will arise within us. Lord, let your spirit rise. Let your glory rise. I bless your people today. May they go forth from this house. Those that are listening to me as I pray over them, I bless them right now all over the internet that may watch this in weeks to come. Father, I pray. I pray your blessing. And in times of desperation, it is times of great victory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a praise as you're dismissed. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit refugecity.church for more information on how you can become a part of that team. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, you can take a screenshot and share it on your social stories, and make sure to tag us at Refuge City Church. Thanks for listening.